0: This morning as we turn to hear from God, we'll be beginning by reading Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll actually be reading the entire chapter. One of the reasons we're doing this is we're looking at uh, the book of Colossians together. We're going to start in the book of Colossians and we're looking at who God has made us and the blessings that he's given us and some of those very same things are captured very well in this chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray for God's blessing on his word now. Lord, we're thankful that in your word you tell us so clearly who you are and who you've actually made us to be as well. And Lord, as we come to these opening words of Colossians, we pray that you would teach us about your love for us, about your powerful work in our lives, and help us to respond in thanksgiving and praise and obedience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning our sermon comes from Colossians chapter 1. We'll be looking at Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 2. Just as a reminder of what we're doing, um, as promised, we are beginning a sermon series through the book of Colossians. As I've been thinking about it the past couple of weeks and getting ready for it, I'm excited by what's in this book and what God will be teaching us. And I hope that you're excited as well. Um, pray, something just to pray for as we, we open this book together and we're looking ahead for the weeks to come. Pray that that God would really meet us and teach us through this book. Um, God wants us to learn from him, and he wants us to learn the lessons of Colossians. So just as you think about the weeks ahead and preparing to hear God's word, keep praying that God would teach us and bless us through this book. So let's look at the book of Colossians, chapter 1, just the first two verses. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now what, what we've just read in those verses can kind of feel like the equivalent of, of how I might start a letter. I don't write too much anymore, but somebody I used to write to a lot was my grandmother before she died. And I would say, Dear Grandma, and I'd fill in the letter, and at the end it would always be, Love, Matt. I'm sure you're probably like me then that we don't write too many letters nowadays, but there are still do's and don'ts with other things that we do, right, with emails. You know, there's things you probably should say in an email, a way you should write an email, and ways you probably shouldn't. I don't know if that applies so much with texts, but we'll see. Now, as we look at what Paul is doing here, as he opens this letter to the Colossians, remember this is a letter, Paul is following the do's and don'ts of letter writing of his own day. He's saying it's from, saying he's to, and he's basically saying hello. That's what we have in these verses. He says it's from Paul and Timothy, it's to the, to the Colossians, and his version of hello is grace to you and peace. But Paul takes this very simple structure that you would have found in any letter written at that time. He takes that simple structure and he uses it to show some of the most important truths of the gospel. In each phrase of this opening, Paul is focused on God's work. And he's specifically focused on God's work to make Paul and Timothy and Colossians the people that they are. Paul's focus is really on identity: who has God made us to be? And one says he's looking back on what God has already done to bring them this this point, God's past work. But he's also saying that what what God has done, His past work, gives hope for God's present work in the Colossians through this very letter. God made the Colossians His people. He has given them leaders like Paul and Timothy, so he is going to keep working in them. Even as I say that, pretty obvious I'm not Paul, and you're certainly not the Colossians, right? How does this letter, how is this letter going to be used in our lives? Well, the same basic principle actually applies to us as it did to the Colossians. There's a sense that we, like the Colossians, are in the same boat because God has been at work in us. He's brought us into his church. He's given us his word. He's given us his leaders. And because of what he's done and who he's made us, that gives us hope that he is going to continue to work in us through this very letter to the Colossians. As we look at these opening two verses, it's a very simple main point that God continues to work in us. God continues to work in us because he's given us salvation. And he's now applying that salvation in our lives. So God continues to work in us, his people, because he's given us salvation. And now he's applying that salvation into our lives. Now, as you look at these two verses, there's just three basic points. The first point is what God has done in Paul and Timothy. That's what we see in verse 1. Then we see what God has done in the Colossians in verse 2. And finally, we see what God is doing now at the end of verse 2. So what has God done in Paul and Timothy? Let's look at verse 1 together. Paul opens this letter to the Colossians by first introducing himself and Timothy. And Paul highlights one main thing about both himself and Timothy. God has chosen them to lead the church. God has chosen Paul to be an apostle, and he's chosen Timothy to be a pastor. Notice that as Paul introduces himself, he is focusing on who God has made him. He says, I am Paul, an apostle, you know, Paul could have said many things about what God has done in his life. You know, he could have talked about his dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. Or he could have talked about how God has brought great success through his ministry, all the churches that he's been part of starting. But Paul here focuses on something else about what God has done. And it's on the office that God has given him. He is an apostle. Remember that an apostle is someone who is chosen by Jesus Christ himself and instructed directly by Jesus to be a witness about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And he has been tasked by Jesus to lead the church in those first early years. As we see in Ephesians, actually in that very chapter we read earlier, that these apostles that God chose, it's a small group of men, But God used them to lay the foundation for the church. They are the foundation of this church here. So that's part of what Paul means then by saying he's an apostle. That Christ Jesus has chosen him. Notice he says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. I belong to Jesus as an apostle. I have been chosen, commissioned, and taught by Jesus. And now I operate... Under Jesus' authority, Paul, as an apostle, can only do and say what Jesus himself has told him to do and say. Think about it on the one hand, that's actually a lot of things, right? I mean, Paul will tell say later that he has to proclaim the whole counsel of God. You can also look at his life. What did he do with Jesus' authority to travel? to to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, to teach and correct the churches that God has raised up. There are many things that that Paul did with Jesus' authority. But on the other hand, what Paul was actually told to do is very, very limited. Paul did not design his own job description. Paul did not invent his own message or his own methods. In everything he did as an apostle, he was serving Jesus Christ. But Paul also says that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And he's actually making a similar point here in these words. Paul being an apostle is what God the Father planned and accomplished. If you Think about it. It's what God the Father planned in eternity past, even before he made the world. He had chosen Paul not just to save him, but to establish him as one of the few apostles to lead his church. And now it's something that he has done in time to raise up Paul, to bring him to faith, to train him, and to give him this task. But also, the fact that it's the will of God means it is not up to Paul whether he's going to take that position or not. God does not come to Paul and say, you know, Paul, here's the job offer, right? Tell me at the end of the week if you want it. That's not what God did. What God wills, God does. But why is Paul telling the Colossians that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God? He's he's definitely not doing it to make himself look better. He's not doing it for them to say, wow, an apostle. Now, if you've read Paul's letters, you see that he's a man marked by great humility. He's a man who knows his own sin, and he is amazed that God would even save him. And not just save him, but even make him an apostle, and to use him in that special way. So even as Paul is saying he's an apostle of Christ Jesus, he's writing with humility. But he's not just writing with humility. He is writing with authority. What he is going to tell the Colossians in this letter is what God himself, Jesus Christ, their head, wants for them. But Paul is not working alone. Paul is not working alone. He says that he is writing with Timothy, our brother. Again, if you look at the life of Timothy, Paul could have said many things about him too. Again, if you look at his life, you know he's brought to faith, he came to serve with Paul. But again, Paul is just focusing on one thing that's true of Timothy. And that one thing is that God has made him a leader in the church. Paul identifies him as a brother. And when he says that, he's saying, Timothy... Is a co worker with me. Actually, if you read through the introduction to many of Paul's letters, he mentions brothers he's working with. Timothy shows up a few times, so do many others. But in each case, those brothers are those that God has given Paul to do the work of ministry. And these really are the first pastors of the church. So when Paul mentions Timothy here, my brother, he is saying that here is a man, a brother, a pastor that God himself has given me to work alongside me in my ministry. And not just my ministry in general, but now my ministry right here to you, Colossians. So Paul is focusing, remember he's focusing on that one thing, God's work in him and in Timothy, to choose them as leaders for the church. And that identity matters. Because God is using them now in this letter to encourage, to teach, and to challenge the Colossians. Really what we see in a letter like this is God at work in his church through the men that he has appointed. So who God has made, both Paul and Timothy, is very important But we see in verse 2, our second point, what God has done in the Colossians. The gospel truths in verse 2 are equally important for us to see. Paul and Timothy are writing to Christians. They're writing to members of the church in Colossae, those God has saved and has brought into his body the church. And Paul again focuses on what God has done to shape the identity of the Colossians to make them holy, and to make them faithful in Jesus Christ and in the city of Colossae. Now, your translation might not say anything about the Colossians being holy. If you look at the ESV, it just says, to the saints. But that's actually what the word saints means. It means the holy ones. As Paul looks at the Colossians, he sees that one of the most important parts of their identity is Their holiness. Now, often when we talk about our holiness, we're thinking in terms of our our sanctification, our our growth in holiness, right? As we're fighting sins, we're becoming more obedient to God. And Paul speaks of that kind of holiness many other times in his letters. But here he's thinking about something else. Paul says the Colossians are the holy ones. God has actually taken them and made them holy. Paul is talking about something definitive, something that's already happened in the lives of the Colossians. Now, one way to think about holiness is to kind of think about its basic definition. Holiness means to be set apart. God is holy, right? And what that means is that he is set apart from all sin and all uncleanness. And what's true of God is true of his people. God sets us apart when he saves us. Think about the Old Testament. God made Israel a holy nation, set apart from everyone else. And now in the New Testament, we see the same thing at work, that God makes us holy through the Holy Spirit in our salvation. He is setting us apart from sin, apart from Satan, apart from the world, and we're now citizens of God's kingdom. So you and I this morning, if we're actually trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, that means we are holy. And actually, because we're holy, because God has set us apart, He's actually going to help us grow in that holiness. You know, last week during Sunday school, I was joking a little bit about calling each other saint. I think I said Saint Jake. Um, but you know what? We actually can do that. We actually can call each other saints because if we are saved then we are saints you know if god gave you an id okay if he gave you an idea a kingdom's driver's license maybe that's what it would say on it it would say saint brenda or saint hyojung or saint whoever because we are made saints by god himself that's true of us that's true of the colossians god makes his people a holy people but as we look at the Colossians, Paul focuses also on the fact that God has made them a faithful people. That's the second part of their identity. The Colossians have persevered. That's part of what it means to be faithful. They have continued in their faith in Jesus and their obedience to him. As we look at scripture, we see that's, that's not what the Colossians themselves did. It wasn't up to the Colossians to stay faithful. It was actually something that God himself has done, God has given them daily grace and power to persevere, to remain faithful. Again, we see that truth all through scriptures. Think about what Jesus himself says in John 6. Jesus promises that he won't lose any of the people that God the Father has given him. Or again, Paul later in Philippians says, it is God who's actually at work in us. And that work will not be finished Until Jesus returns. That is the basis of our faithfulness, God's work in us. So, Paul is writing to holy, faithful believers who God has brought into his church, and they are now brothers. They have that family connection to one another and to Paul and Timothy. Now, I just want to stop for a minute and point out something that seems just so simple, but I don't want you to miss it. This particular letter is written to an entire church. These are brothers together in the church. And this letter is meant for the brothers to hear together and to use together. I want that to serve an encouragement for us as well. That as we listen to God's word here as a body, not just in your private devotions, but here in the preaching of the word, as we're gathered as a church, these words are not just for you or you or me. These words are for us, and these words are meant to be applied to us as a body. The Colossians were meant to take these words as a church and live them, and we can do that same thing. But I've been mentioning the Colossians, but that's where Paul actually goes next, because he hasn't said where these people are. If you got this far in the letter, these first couple of phrases, you might think, well, this could be true of anybody. Any church could have received a letter like this from Paul. and can still feel, feel kind of like that dear, you know, fill in the blank. Now, who is Paul actually talking to? But Paul is writing to a specific group of Christians, Christians in the city of Colossae. He's saying, dear Colossians. Paul is writing to a specific group of Christians in a specific place at a specific time who have specific issues and needs. Now we'll actually see some of those needs as we go along. For instance, there seems to be some false teaching that's coming into the church and Paul is fighting that. But actually what we see in Colossians is even though Paul's addressing specific things, he gives very broad commands that actually affect each of us. Commands and teaching about the person and work of Christ. So in a sense, God is using Paul to to take the truth of the gospel and apply it directly to the Colossians' lives. But it's not just for the Colossians. It's not, dear Colossians, only read this letter. No, God is actually using the teaching of Paul here through the Spirit, and he's going to apply it to our lives as well. So if you think about who Paul is writing to, he's writing to the Colossians. He's writing to the church. That's almost like their their street address. If you were going to write them a letter on the front... You would say, to the Christians, in Colossae. But Paul says there's actually a second address that they have. It's not just a street address, they have a spiritual address. They are in Christ. That simple phrase, in Christ, is such a key idea for Paul. Because when he uses those words, he's talking about our union with Jesus Christ. Like like that relationship, remember that, that Jesus himself says, that relationship between the branch... And the vine, that that branch is connected to the vine and receives everything it needs only because it's connected to the vine. That's actually what Paul is getting at here when he writes about being in Christ. We are connected to Christ in such a deep, close way that what is actually true of Jesus Christ becomes true of us. Now, we don't become God, right? So we don't don't share all of those things. But we do share in so many things that are true of Jesus. Just think of his death and resurrection. Because we are in Christ, we share in his death and resurrection, both now as we die to sin and live to righteousness, and also later when we die and are raised to life, eternal life with him forever. But that that sharing in the death and resurrection, those are only some of the blessings that we actually experience through him as our faithful Savior. Paul's going to develop more about what it means to be in Christ throughout the rest of this letter. But he's saying that God himself has brought the Colossians into this kind of relationship with Christ. And it explains, actually, why he can call them holy and faithful. Only in Christ can we have those kinds of benefits. Now, I just used the example of a kingdom driver's license. You know, I got my Virginia driver's license recently. I looked at the front of it today, not today, this week. And on the front of it, it gives my address. Gives my address. I only live in one place. I hope so. I only live in one place. But if you think about that ID that God has given you as a saint, as a faithful believer, if you've given that, I, if you look at that ID that God would have given you you'd actually have two addresses too, just like the Colossians. One of them would say, in Yorktown. That's where we are, right? In Yorktown. But that second one would always, always, always say the same thing. In Christ. Every believer who's been brought into the body of Christ shares those two identities. But you know that. You've heard these things before, and the Colossians do too. So, just put yourself in the Colossians' position for a minute. They know who they are. They know they're living in Colossae. They know they're in Christ. They know they've actually had all these great blessings of Christ. Paul is not telling them something new. Right? So, what is Paul doing then? Why is he going out of his way to tell them what they already know? Paul is reminding the Colossians of their identity. Because everything else in the letter is based on that identity. Not directly. Like in some of his letters, Paul will focus on things in these first couple of verses and he's going to come back to them later and say a whole lot more about what the church needs to learn. It's not like he's saying here, you know how I told you we're holy in verse 2? Well, let me tell you what it means to be holy. No, he's not doing that in the book of Colossians. But still, their identity is related to the rest of the letter in a general way. Because who God has made the Colossians should give them confidence that He is going to keep working in them through this very letter. So, Paul's told them who He is, He's told them who they are, and third and finally, He's going to look at what God is doing now in them. Remember, God has made Paul an apostle and Timothy a pastor, and God has made those Colossians His holy and faithful people in Christ, and God's goal is to use Paul and Timothy to bless the Colossians. That's what God is actually doing right now in the Colossians. He's blessing them. Notice what Paul says. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We're probably very familiar with that phrase or something like it because Paul starts every one of his letters just like that. But Paul does that for a very good reason. In each case, Paul opens his letters by proclaiming God's blessing on God's people. Think about what he's saying in that phrase. Grace and peace, that's really the core of the gospel. Grace is God's unmerited favor to us. It is his free love to us as sinners to save us, but also to sustain us, to keep us going, because we need God's grace right now. But also, in salvation, we see God's grace, but we also experience God's peace, really a new relationship or existence that is marked by peace. We have peace with God, and because we have peace with God now, we have peace with all other believers. Our sin no longer separates us from God or from each other. God himself has bridged that gap with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and he has reconciled us to himself. Paul says that this grace and peace, this gospel reality, comes from God our Father. God the Father is the one who extends grace and peace to sinners, It's never the case that we're somehow reaching up to Him or kind of working our way up to Him. No, God freely reaches down to us in our sin and He pulls us out and gives us grace and peace. Now, in other other letters, Paul adds that this grace and peace comes from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's showing that the only way that we have this grace and peace really is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, this, this grace and peace, this present grace and peace, is a great blessing. And Paul is both telling us what we have, what we have from God, but he is also praying that God would give us more grace and more peace, as Paul gives this greeting. See, Paul's blessing here really is showing what God is currently doing in the Colossians. Because God has saved them, he right now is able and willing to bless them. And Do you know how the Colossians are actually going to experience that blessing of God? How they're actually going to grow in that grace and experience more of that peace? One of the ways that is actually going to happen is through Paul's letter to them as they see even more clearly the grace of God in Jesus Christ, as they see even more clearly what it means to be at peace with the God of the universe, they will experience God's grace and God's peace through Paul speaking God's words to them. We begin every service here with a similar blessing from God. Sometimes we even use these exact words that Paul does. And we are doing that because God promises to bless you, his people, through the means of grace in worship. He promises to give us this blessing through his word, through his sacraments, through prayer, through all of worship. God is at work in us to bless us. Do we come to worship expecting to receive a blessing from God? Do we come to God's Word expecting to receive a blessing from God? Do we even come here to this book of Colossians expecting to receive a blessing from God? Now, for each one of those, we should. We should be expecting God to bless us. But I don't want you to feel badly just saying, I should and I'm not doing well enough. No, we can come expecting God's blessing because God has promised but that's exactly what he's going to do. He is giving us grace and peace as we come to him. And he is going to bless us because of who he has made us. If we are truly in Christ, if we are truly trusting in Jesus alone for our salvation, then we are those who God has made holy and faithful. And then he has taken us and placed us here at PRPC on the peninsula in the tidewater water. And we are those who God is going to bless. If I could encourage you to take home one point, it would be this. Remember who God has made you. Remember who God has made you. We cannot hear these words of Paul enough because it's so easy for us to forget our identity. To forget who we are. We look at ourselves in the mirror every day. At least I do. But we so often forget to look into the mirror of God's word and to see who God has made us. And because of who he's made us, we forget to see what he's going to do. Again, if he has made you one with Christ, he's going to keep working in you. If he has brought you into his kingdom, he's going to keep blessing you. If he has made you his son, he's going to keep providing for you all the way to heaven. And how he's going to do that is through his word, through his sacraments, through all of the means of grace that he's given you. So again, my great encouragement from these opening verses in Colossians, remember who God has made you and trust in God to continue to work in you through the ways that he's established. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you have actually made us your people. You've made us holy. And you have actually made us also faithful. Lord, we thank you that this is not something that we did. It's not up to us. But you have actually been at work in us to save us and to bring us to this point. Lord, as we do gather to hear your word preached every Sunday to, just in a few moments, see and taste the Lord's Supper and the many other ways that you have given us these means of grace to work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have made us your people and that you are at work in us. And Lord, we would pray that you would continue to work in our lives. Help us to see the great blessings that you have given us and to rest in your power and your provision for us.